following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Welcome to The Leftovers, brought to you by the Underdog Sports Network, with Josh Dunn, Anshu Khanna, and Dan Bauer. Hello and welcome to The Leftovers. It's finally October, baseball fans. I am Dan Bauer, and I hate my goddamn football team. Along with me <laughs> is Anshu Khanna, who probably likes this football team a little bit more. Anshu, how the heck are you, buddy? Only slightly. I'm doing all right. Probably a little better than you right now, but uh, yeah, tough. Uh, I just an odd, wild Sunday here. Yeah, let's start. Let's just get this out of the way. Get this over with, so I don't have to talk about it anymore. Uh, so the <laughs> the Browns lose to the Raiders, say, 45 to 42, in uh, what was somewhat of a little bit of a controversial game. Baker Mayfield. I, you know, I'm just gonna leave it with this. Looks every bit worthy of that number one pick. He looked great. I mean this. The stat line isn't going to necessarily show it with with two interceptions, uh, two more turnovers on fumbles, on uh, none of which were really his fault. I mean, if you go through the four turnovers, uh, you had a tip ball to start the game that got returned, or not even a tip ball, a drop ball uh, by Callaway that gets returned for a touchdown. Uh, he threw kind of a Hail Mary at the end of the first half. That was kind of, uh, you know, probably not the greatest, smartest throw um, to put out there, but worth a shot, and, and two fumbles, one of which the center snaps it early, drop, and that goes a fumble. The other fumble, he gets hit from behind, didn't really even see it coming, and, and what was a quick rush. It wasn't even like he held on the ball too long, but uh, he looked great otherwise, 21 for 41, 295 yards, three for two TDs. Uh, Nick Chubb, absolutely monstrous. I don't understand why he doesn't get the ball more. Three carries for 105 yards, goes 64 yards on one, uh, about 50 on the other one, and then a real short run. Uh, for his other yard, uh, just goes a monstrous game. David Carr brings his team back from the dead in the second half, um, and eventually 45-42. The big, uh, I know I'll let, I'll let you talk at some point, aren't you? Um, <laughs> yeah. The uh, the big controversy of the game is the uh, what should, in theory, look like a first down, got marked as a first down to ice the game there at the end, gets overturned, which honestly this is going to get a lot of hate in Cleveland. I think it was the right call. It did look like the elbow was down. He was short of the first down, had to punt, and then obviously the Raiders go down uh, and eventually tie the game and then and win it in overtime. But, Anshu, what did you see? You watched last Browns game. What did you see out of Baker Mayfield? What did you see out of the Browns? Uh, please, please say something that makes me feel better uh, and brings me back from my very sad place. <laughs> well, uh, as we were talking about before the show, you know, it's uh, rarely a linear path to – from being, you know, the dregs of the league to a contender. And I think this is one of those minor steps down. I agree that call, while I agree with you, is probably the right one. It did feel a little bit like, you know, I I don't know that there was indisputable video evidence to overturn that and and make it short, Um, but it is what it is. You know, at the end of the day, they still have a chance to win in overtime. Like you said, a bunch of turnovers, just kind of a sloppy game. I mean, it was very high scoring, but, you know, we talked a couple weeks ago about, you know, 
potentially high scoring games, not necessarily being the best games. And I would say that this sort of qualified, although it was really exciting from a fantasy perspective, it was sloppily played. And one thing I'll say just for you is, uh, you know, the fact that you've got a rookie quarterback that can get out there, you know, go 21 to 41 for basically 300 yards, a couple touchdowns, um, only take a couple sacks, you know, I think that the, you know, the arrows needless to say pointing up for Mayfield and he clearly is the guy that is best suited to quarterback this team. So there's, there's a lot of bright spots right now for the Browns, although they're one, two and one division isn't running and hiding. Um, you know, there's still a lot of time left. Yeah, there is. The other point I wanted to discuss real quick on the refereeing front, and in a lar- this is a larger context of, I think, the NFL going to a place where we're just overprotecting quarterbacks. Uh, what should have been a, a, a strip sack uh, return for a touchdown for the Browns that really would have changed the tie of the game. Uh, Carr is whistled down as poor momentum has stopped. There was yes. no momentum going on. He was blatantly sitting in the pocket, and ball gets knocked out, and all of a sudden the ball is blown dead. Uh you know, Anchi, you, you this is a very near and dear thing to your heart, obviously, with Clay Matthews repeatedly getting sacked for these things. Is the NFL just going in a direction uh, that that we do not want to see in terms of overprotecting quarterbacks? Uh, yeah, I mean that's definitely part of it. Although I will say this, um, you know, very quietly, first of all, the roughing the passer penalties are way down this week across the league. You can tell. I mean that that was uh, an exception. I think that. Throughout the league, you'll see the numbers come out tomorrow, and, and it's it's a massive difference in terms of what was called this week versus last year. But I will say, you know, there haven't been any – there's been one catastrophic quarterback injury, and it had nothing to do with the hit. I mean, we are seeing record points scored. We're seeing – you know, the, the reality is the contrarian take is, you know, that our ratings for the NFL are way, way higher and, uh, and a lot of that is ha- has to do with the fact that, you know, the Bradys, the Rodgerses, the Mahomes, Goffs, those guys, are no one's getting hurt. And uh, I think that that is partially responsible for this point explosion that we've seen early th- in the season. And uh, the quarterbacks, if the goal is to protect the quarterbacks and the icons of the league, by and large, that's actually worked pretty well. So we'll see, uh, you know, again, the, the roughings were down this week. We'll see if that continues. But it is interesting to think about it from that perspective, I think. You mentioned point explosions. Point explosions across the board in the NFL today. Uh, so I'm going to run through some scores, and we can talk about a couple of these games individually. But uh, Jaguars beat the Jets 31-12. Pats, you know, somewhat back from the dead a little bit and just mm-hmm. trounced the Dolphins 38-7. to Titans over the Eagles 26-23. to Texans over Colts 37-34. And was almost a tie game. Gets a field goal. Texans get a field goal there uh, as time expires in overtime to, to avoid yet another tie in the NFL. Your pack beat the Bills 22-0. Cowboys 26-24 over the Lions. Mitch Trubisky balls out 48-10 over the Bucks. Uh, Bengals 37-36 thriller over the Falcons. Seahawks Cardinals in what was, I think, the, technically the lowest scoring game of the day, 2017. Uh, Saints over the Giants 33-18. Chargers over the Niners squeak by, come back 29-27. But um, let's go right to your uh, brethren in Chicago. The Bears, 48-10, like I mentioned, over the Buccaneers. Mr. Bitsky ends up throwing uh, for six touchdowns, right? That's what we got. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, what did you see from him? Is this finally the real deal? And you know, on the other side of the ball, you have what is maybe the end of Fitzmagic and Jameis Winston taking over in Tampa Bay. So a tale of uh, two directions in terms of the quarterback position of those two teams. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, coming in, I think many people would argue Trubisky was maybe the worst starting quarterback in football um, of the permanent starters. And you could say Fitzpatrick was one of the best. And it clearly it completely switched today. I mean, Fitzpatrick goes down 35-3 in the first half. Jameis Winston comes out in the second. He goes 16 of 20 for 145 yards, but does throw two picks. So it'll be interesting to see the Tampa Bay goes to the bye if it will be Winston or if Fitzpatrick reclaims his job going into week six. But that's not the main story of this one. It's certainly Mitch Trubisky going for six touchdowns and 350 yards passing, then another 50 rushing. I mean, he was in complete control. Look, this Tampa Bay defense is not exactly anything to write home about, but uh, pretty impressive performance for the Bears and uh, a much maligned Mitch Trubisky both here in Chicago and across the country. We'll have to see. I mean, uh, the Bears right now in full control of the NFC North at 3-1, and one, and that defense playing as well as they have, if, they, if this offense can hold a candle to it, um, this is going to be a legit playoff contender. I'm not sure I buy into it, but right now it's tough to argue with the what the the numbers that Trubisky put up tonight or today. Yeah, absolutely. And going with that contender pretender theme, uh, let's go to that Pat's Dolphins game. As I mentioned, 38-7. Uh, so Dolphins obviously uh, had started out really hot. They they fall to three and one. Uh, New England betters themselves to two and two. So in terms of Miami contender pretender, what do you have on that? Yeah, I'm not buying into them. Um, their first few weeks were pretty easy. I know they beat the Raiders last week, although they were way, way outgained. Um, you know, I just, I'm not buying into that Miami team at all. They, they got to prove it over several games to me before, uh, they, they're for real, I think. And, uh, you know, and then meanwhile, you know, the Patriots have, have looked really questionable. They obviously get throttled on Sunday night last week against the Lions. Now they're staring, they're two and two. I mean, they're looking at a, a Thursday night game against the Colts at home this week. I mean, they're likely to get to three and two and then, you know, a 10 day layoff before the Chiefs at home. So, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, the Patriots are right back to where we thought they were. If they're four and two heading into Chicago in week seven, um, that's a pretty good place to be. So I think the Patriots are going to be just fine, especially Julian Edelman coming back here soon. Josh Gordon slowly being worked into the mix. Um, you know, they had a good day out of Sony Michelle today and uh, obviously another good day for James White. So the weapons are starting to add up for New England. And I think at the end of the day, we're going to see them exactly where we expected, which is at the top of the contender heap in the AFC. Well, on the, the opposite side of exactly where we expected them to be uh, and a little bit of taste of reality, your Packers beat, beat the Buffalo Bills 22 nothing. Buffalo uh, falls to 1-3. and three. Josh Allen goes uh, 16 for 33 with two INTs. Uh, you know, right back smack to what we thought Josh Allen. So his last week, you think what we all talked about, that was a fluke for the Bills, uh, right back to probably the worst team in the league. Oh, oh, yeah, I think so. I mean, watching this Packers defense that's been pretty maligned throughout the season do what they did to the Bills. I mean, this game was never remotely close. The Bills could not get anything going on offense. They, I just, I cannot believe that that team did what they did to the Vikings after seeing the Vikings on Thursday night at the Rams and then seeing this Bills team today. Um, it just blows my mind what happened last week that the Bills could put up that many points without LaShawn McCoy again. Um, and then go to Green Bay and put up the goose like they did. And honestly, they look thoroughly dominated. So Bills are, to me, clearly the worst team in football. Um, and it just, it's just very confusing. I mean, maybe the Vikings aren't as good as we thought they were, especially on defense. I think that's sort of my takeaway right now after these first few weeks. 
Yeah, that uh, that Minnesota team definitely. You know, it's a team that we all we all talked about contending for a potential playoffs, um, and you know, looking very strong. And now all of a sudden, you know, they're one they're one two and one uh, with Chicago rolling, Green Bay starting to come back into shape. It does not look like that Minnesota team may even make the playoffs. Yeah, right now it's it's not looking great for them. I, I mean, a lot of season left, but like you said, one two and one is going to be a tough hole to come back from, especially if the Bears are as good as uh, you know they've played so far. It's it's going to be really tough for them. So um, you know the pressure's on in Minnesota for sure. I think. Yeah, let's stay in the NFC North uh, and and rehash a theme we had here before. Detroit Lions fall to one and three. Dallas uh, on somewhat of a savior season kind of game. Gets yep. to two and two. Is Detroit, you think, contender? Are they out of this thing, or do you think they still have an ability to make a run in the NFC North? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't completely eliminate them just yet. I know one and three is a real tough hole to dig out of, but um, like you said, the NFC North isn't exactly getting away from them. Like, I still just don't buy into the Bears, really, at three and one. So I, I don't think that the Lions are that far back. In my mind, I'm more impressed with the fact that the Cowboys are two and two. I mean, you you said it on our last show, the preview show, that you know this was kind of a loser leaves town match, and especially I think that that applies for the Cowboys. Had they lost, it would have been. It's just very difficult to see them coming back. They looked a lot better today. They just fed Zeke the ball so much. Thirty twenty nine touches for uh, two hundred fifty yards for Zeke. I mean, he was awesome and. Uh, that's really all they've got right now. I mean, it's hard for me to imagine them really climbing back into it, but two and two is two and two, so they they live to tell you know another story at least for this week and one more week. Yeah, another team that goes to two and two, the Seahawks over the Arizona Cardinals, twenty seventeen. The key thing I want to hear from you, Josh Rosen, he goes fifteen for twenty seven uh, with one TD. I mean, no interceptions though. Not a, an overall great game, but also not a bad one. I mean, very average. Uh, goes, you know, 80.4 QBR and 88.5 rating uh, himself. So, I mean, doesn't blow the doors off anybody. But did you see anything positive, negative out of him uh, worth commenting on? Uh, I thought it was interesting. I mean, he wasn't really driving the ball down the field from what I was looking at. Like, you know, threw a lot to his tight end, a lot to David Johnson, which I think is a good play. I mean, that's a percentage play, especially with Fitzgerald being banged up kind of just the way that their offense runs it's really just one receiver which is odd but um you know i, I think that rosen's going to be brought along slowly but like you said no big mistakes which is a good thing for a rookie quarterback and uh you know for rosen specifically i think that's a really good thing but the real story out of this game earl thomas looks like broke his leg is getting carted off and flips off the sideline on his way off the field while on the cart so that was a huge story it's going to be interesting to see what happens but essentially i think what he was implying was I should have, you guys screwed me, you know, I I didn't sign this deal, I couldn't sign a long-term deal before I had this injury, and now, you know, my contract situation is really messed up for the next handful of years, so thanks a lot, here's the finger, and uh, that, you can definitely assume that's going to be one of the biggest stories for the rest of the year, but definitely for this week. Yeah, I mean, if you were him, that's a, a very understandable emotion, and it's, it's, why you oh, see, yeah. it's why you see guys like Le'Veon hold out. Uh, it's because you're one injury yep. away from taking away tens of millions of dollars from you. You know, Earl Thomas had demanded to be traded. There was talk of him going to Dallas. Uh, he was he, he there's a picture of him in Cleveland even uh, yep. in Kansas the offseason. I mean, he was all over the place. Yeah, uh, and it's why these guys hold out. As much as people want to get on players for doing it, and as much as people want to call them selfish, 
this is an injury that is going to cost him. Like you said, it's a long-term deal. You know, it's it's you know what what do you think he was realistically looking at? Probably five six years at you know eight nine ten million a year. I mean, that's, yeah, that's probably what it cost him. Yeah, I mean definitely, and and you know he's thirty right now, I believe. If at once he becomes a true free agent, or say he builds his value back up next year, um, you know he's probably going to sign a one or two year deal, and then by that time you're the thirty two ish, and you're a safety, and then we saw what the safety market was like this past year, so. You know, I, I, Earl Thomas is an awesome, amazingly talented player. I would hope he gets back on the field. But, you know, this is a dagger for his long-term hopes of a, of a big deal. I don't know that he'll ever get that deal now because of this injury. And it's a shame. And you're absolutely right. I mean, Le'Veon Bell right now has to be thinking, I'm so glad I'm not out there costing myself this many millions of dollars. And uh, this is the other side. This is how the other side lives. It's going to be really tough for Earl Thomas. It's a real shame. Yeah, it really, it really is. Uh, right, let's post through a couple of these last games, uh, and then we'll get on to the big baseball news because I know we're both going to want to talk about that a little bit. But uh, somewhat surprised, C.J. Beathard keeps the Niners in a game. They eventually fall to the Chargers 29-27. So uh, in your opinion, you know, he goes 23-37 for 298 yards, two TDs, two interceptions. Is this a, a fluky game? No one's really got a lot of tape on him. Or do you think this is a guy who can actually keep the Niners in football games the rest of this year? I I think he can keep them in games. I mean, he did play a little bit last year, actually quite a bit last year. I think Garoppolo comes in week 11, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, he, he's been out there playing Beathard as, and, you know, he's been in the system. There's a reason they didn't go out and get any, you know, trade for any veterans. I think that they, you know, they spent a the third rounder on him. We talked about that. Um, he's a guy that they, they obviously kind of liked coming out of Iowa and, uh, you know, like I said, I didn't think that Tyrod Taylor was a realistic option for them because I really do think that they're willing to just ride it out with Bathard. And if he sucks, you know, he sucks, whatever, it's fine. Then they get a high pick. If he's good, um, you know, now you have two quarterbacks and that's a great asset to have. So it's all good either way. It didn't make a ton of sense for them to sacrifice uh, like a pick to the Browns for a stopgap quarterback, considering that, you know, they're in the same division as the Rams are really not very good defensively, which is why they lost this game, by the way. And so I, I think they'll ride it out with Beathard, and I think that's a fine idea. I mean, he looks like he's not bad. It kind of reminds me of, like, the Jacoby Brissett thing with the Colts last year. Yeah. Well, from one team with a new quarterback to two teams with a very established uh, person behind center, Bengals beat the Atlanta Falcons, and the Falcons now fall to one and three. We have a big hole to climb out of if they're going to make a playoff push, but – uh, Andy Dalton and Matt Ryan both throw for three touchdowns. Bengals with a huge win. Uh, and, you know, Josh isn't here to uh, to relish in this victory for his team. <laughs> you know, what does this game say more about the Bengals at three and one, or more about the Falcons at one and three? Well, I was with him, and I can tell you that Josh is elated. Um, and I was also with our buddy Steve. So the, and Zach, were they? The Bengals fans were thrilled. This is the kind of game they have traditionally traditionally lost, especially against a pretty good def- or offense across the field. But that defense in Atlanta is a disaster. I think it's very difficult to picture that team making the playoffs at one and three. So I think it says more about them right now. In the meantime, the Bengals, you know, they're, if they can pick up the pieces after what was just a horrific injury to Tyler Eifert, and I mean horrific, man. That was one of the grossest injuries I've seen. And it was just somber in that building and in, in the building we were in as well. But uh, if they can recover from that and fill that gap that they have filling his loss, I mean, 
this is this is a really good Bengals offense right now, and uh, they're rolling on all cylinders. Bill Lazor's pushing all the right buttons, so we'll see about the Bengals. They look really interesting, though. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we'll get to we got three games left that we haven't really mentioned, so um, let me just buzz through these real quick, and we'll get uh, if you want to throw in any takes on any of these, and then we'll get to some baseball news. So Titans over the Eagles, twenty six to twenty three. Texans over the Colts, like we've mentioned, 37-34, and Saints over the Giants, 33-18. So anything of note you want to mention with these three games? Just real quick on the Titans. I mean, 3-1, and one, it seems like they're just skimming by each game by the skin of their teeth, but here they are. I mean, they're, they're very much in this AFC South race, leading the AFC South, really, and, uh, you know, they're Marcus Mariota has been at far less than 100%, but he looked good today against the defending champions. So the Titans are a very, very interesting sleeper that's only now kind of beginning to scratch the surface of their offensive ability against a good defensive team. So watch out for the Titans, I would say. Absolutely. It's going to be an interesting one. Uh, It's a team that I don't think either of us really expected. You're always much higher on Mariota than me, a team that, uh, at least neither of us really talked about as being a major playoff contender. Right. Uh, just might make it in there. But uh, speaking of playoff contenders, we have two more uh, in the baseball world than we thought we were gonna at this point in the baseball season. So it is absolute chaos for Monday. I cannot wait uh, to hopefully get over this Browns loss by just watching a whole bunch of baseball and not. Ever yes. Because it's not my team. Uh, so <laughs> going into today, uh, we had the. Uh, Cubs and Brewers both tied for the division lead in the Central, and we had the Rockies and Dodgers tied in the West. And then coming out of today, same thing. So Brewers over the Tigers, 11 to nothing. Um, and we had the uh, Rockies over the Nationals, 12 to nothing. And scrolling all around, and I can't find Dodgers won 14 nothing against the Giants. Yeah, Dodgers over that. And then um, which one did I miss out of all that? Oh, Cubs over Cardinals, 10 to five. Uh, so we have absolute chaos. So Cubs will play the Brewers tomorrow. Dodgers play the Rockies. Well, today, as you're listening, I should say so on Monday evening. One-game playoff to see who wins the division and who goes to the one-game playoff. Then you have those teams who lose the one-game playoff or have to play a one-game playoff to get yeah. into the playoffs. So it's absolute chaos, honestly. I love it. I know this is going to be one of those things that Major League Baseball gets a lot of flack from. But if there's ever a way to get more eyes on baseball, it's got to be these next couple of days, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know why people would hate it. I, I guess the traditionalists might not like it, but it's it's going to be amazing. Like you said, uh, basically two uh, play-in games just to make the play-in game in the playoff, the wildcard game in the playoff. So going to be really, really exciting. Um, the Brewers go to Chicago to the Cubs to determine who wins the central. I, I think that's going to be an absolute thrill. And, you know, there's a huge disadvantage to basically even playing this game. It's a huge disadvantage, right? Cause you've got to play. If you lose, you basically got to burn hypothetically your number one starter in this game, your number two starter in the play in game. And then you have to go play a best of five, which is crazy. Um, so these teams I would think are at a significant disadvantage. And so, um, you know, it's going to be really, really interesting. They, the Brewers have won seven straight games to get to this place. Uh, just an awesome race. And Christian Yelich, I would say, has cemented his name as the MVP in the NL. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he gets a couple of home runs over the past couple of days uh, to really so to propel, propel that team into what is now one-game playoff. Uh, let's start with the, that Brewers-Cubs game. 
Quintana the likely starter for the Cubs. Uh, the Brewers have not announced who is going to be the probable pitcher for tomorrow. Um, so what do you have on this game? I mean, obviously we just talked about it. The, the Brewers are extremely hot. Uh, the Cubs not as much uh, over the past couple weeks. So do you think Milwaukee has enough to get over top to beat Quintana to get uh, to win the division? Or, or what do you see coming out of this game? Uh, I think they could. I, I honestly think that that home field advantage for the Cubs in this game, which I think is determined by head-to-head, it might be run differential. Um, but the Cubs getting that home game is key, and I think that they're going to they're gonna end up doing it, although the Brewers are red hot. I mean, they are absolutely guns blazing right now, but I just think that the Cubs are sort of due, and the Brewers are due to lose one. So I will take the Cubs at home in that game, but though I hope these two play again in a, in a series. Yeah, that one is, I can't wait. Like I said, it's going to be a lot of baseball tomorrow. Um, that game's at 1, the 4 o'clock game, uh, Dodgers and Rockies. Uh, the probable pitchers are announced for that one. Uh, Marquez going for the Rockies, Bueller for the Dodgers. Uh, you know, Is the home field enough, you think, for the Dodgers to pull this off, or do you think uh, the absolutely way high Rockies can, can upset them? Yeah, again, I, I think it's a thrill. Again, I think that the better team, the home team, is going to win. Although Marquez, just coming off that record-setting start where he strikes out the first eight batters he faced, he is completely locked in, and he's so good, especially away from Coors. So um, it's going to be tight, but Mark Walker Bueller has really become the Dodgers' best pitcher quietly. He's been better than Kershaw So uh, down the stretch. I think that, that that won't be a disadvantage by any means of the Dodgers, who could throw Kershaw if they need to although I assume he'll be saved in case they have to play that one-game playoff. But, uh, you know, I got I think I got the Dodgers. Um, those two teams, though, are really good. All these teams are really good. It's good that they all get one more shot at uh, postseason glory after this. Yeah, one thing I wanted to ask you about, uh, just I think I know your answer to this, but sometimes you surprise me. Uh, a lot of talk <laughs> on this kind of stuff, and sometimes managers tend to, to disagree with this on, on what's worth it and uh, – more old school baseball obviously is you know you go you win the game in front of you maybe a little bit more new school is is it worth throwing your best pitcher you have available if you're just going to get to the division series and get blown out because right. you're going with your third start fourth starter when someone else is throwing their first do you throw the best pitcher you have on on healthy rest for this one game playoff or do you throw you know your second third best pitcher that you have available in hopes that uh, you actually get to the division series and you need to actually win it and have your best players available if you're going to get there. Uh, I think for this kind of game, I would just pitch whoever's on regular rest and just let the chips fall as they may. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like move Kershaw up off three games rest or, you know, some specific pitcher just to get, I mean, it is a huge advantage to move on and get home field and not have to play in that play in game, but I wouldn't, treat it as like an elimination game by any means. So, you know, especially if you've got a a third or fourth pitcher who's close to as good as your first, I wouldn't mess around with that too much. I don't know. What's your perspective on it? You know, I I mean, I think I agree with you. If you have a third or fourth pitcher, who's just as good. But, I mean, none of these teams have a pitcher who their third or fourth pitcher is anywhere near their first pitcher. I hate to throw out, like, the the homer thing here, but if you're the Indians – yeah, sure. Throw Clev- yeah. throw Clevenger sure. in that game. He's got just almost just as good of a shot to beat somebody as Kluber does. But I mean, if you're you know the Cubs are obviously I think in the best position with Quintana. Uh, but you know if you're the Dodgers, I mean, there's there's no arguing that you have a much better shot of winning the game with Kershaw than you do with Bueller. So 
I, you know, I, Bueller's been really good. I know what you're saying. I mean, especially because Bueller's a rookie and he's hitting his innings limits. But I, I get what you're saying, basically. But I think that they're they're not quite as similar as like the Indians pitchers. But they don't really have a terrible option either. It's not like they're throwing a bullpen day or like a you know a fourth pitch or whatever. I, I think it's interesting either way. I, like the Brewers, I think are a very very interesting spot where I think they're right now they're scheduled up for having like their fourth or fifth like Davies or someone going which is a disaster you don't want that you don't want your worst pitcher going so that presents an interesting challenge for sure yeah I mean it, it really does um you know who I can't wait I mean it's, it's gonna be a lot of fun yeah from a strategy perspective this is one of those games that um it, it's just fun for, you know as a as a thinking man's game that we know baseball is uh, of just mm-hmm. what uh, of what happens, and I can't wait for it. Uh, the the other big news, obviously, of the weekend was the Ryder Cup. Uh, the U.S. relinquishes the cup back to the Europeans in, in a very unexpected fashion. I mean, coming into the, the Ryder Cup, that U.S. lineup was sacked. I don't think anybody on the planet expected uh, the Europeans to come out with it, um, but they end up pulling it off, and in a pretty convincing fashion, nonetheless. I mean, that thing was over by... Uh, I think it was 11 o'clock or so this morning um, yep. when that thing wrapped up yeah. on, on the East Coast. So if you if you're at Central or West Coast time, you might have slept through uh, what should have been a very exciting day. So any thoughts from the Ryder Cup from you, aren't you? Uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, the Europe just dominated this thing. I watched a lot on Saturday and Sunday. I uh, watched pretty much all of it until it was over today on Sunday. Um, you know, just throughout it, I mean, regularly, they just got killed by – Patrick Reed just sucked on the first three days. Um, you know, the really the only guy, even Tiger wasn't great. And, you know, on the other end, you had guys like Paul Casey and, you know, Ian Poulter playing out of their minds. And, you know, on, on the U.S. side, Tiger wasn't great. Like we said, the, you know, it, until the last day when the U.S. and Europe effectively split and it was way too late at that point, um, you know, it was basically all Europe. They just commanded this thing. Molinari was awesome. And the U.S., you know, potentially Phil Mickelson's last Ryder Cup, he really did not look good. He ends it in a really embarrassing concession where he knocks the ball into the water off the tee and then he just basically shakes uh, his opponent's hand, and uh, Molinari's hand, and, and just walks off after the 16th, so or I think 15th. So, um, you know, not a good display at all for the U.S., but a couple years from now, Whistling Straits, in Wisconsin, we should be there, and uh, you know it, it's uh, hopefully the U.S. can recapture it. But so this year, Europe absolutely deserved it. They were in complete command throughout. Yeah, if anybody uh, listens to the leftovers who works for the Ryder Cup, make sure uh, we'll take some press passes for sure. If you want, oh, come absolutely, to, come to Whistling Straits. So make sure you <laughs> let us know uh, as you know where to find us uh, for our new listeners. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at the Leftovers MWF, just like Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, when you all get to listen to our not-so-happy voices on Monday mornings, because uh, I'm a Browns fan. But um, nonetheless, <laughs> let's get to our oh-by-the-ways and let our listeners get to their weeks. So my oh-by-the-way, Mike Sosha, no surprise, not returning after another very disappointing season in Los Angeles. So the Angels manager will be walking away 82 and 82, or 80 and 82, apologies, this year Uh fails to make the playoffs in a team that is just overly loaded with hitting talent to continually not be able to make a playoff run is uh, is kind of baffling. And for a manager who's so well-respected, uh, a, a very disappointing way for him to go out. But he will no longer be 
on the Angels bench. It'll be interesting to see who replaces him next year for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. So, (laughs) (laughs) Anshu, what's your oh, by the way? Uh, so my oh, by the way, was a very interesting situation, I thought, in the Indianapolis Colts game. So, like you said, the Colts end up losing this game 37-34 to the Texans at home. But they faced a tough call where I think there was something like two minutes left, or just under two minutes left, in overtime. And they had fourth and four, the Colts did, from their own 43-yard line. And instead of playing to, you know, punt it and hope for the tie... Basically, you know, they had no timeouts left. They decided to go for it, to go for the win. And then, you know, assuming they miss it, they assume they can get their defense to hold this Texans team and uh, and then escape with a tie. So they go for it. They don't get it. The Texans get the necessary 15 or 20 yards they need to get in the field goal range. They win the game. I just thought this was such a great move by Frank Reich. I, I think that, and he said it after the game, no regrets. This is the kind of play calling we're going to have. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to hit some. We're going to miss some. But over, you know, the course of time on balance, this is going to be a good statistical decision for us. And I just think it was so refreshing to see a guy like Frank Reich and, and you know, his tree, obviously, from Peterson and Andy Reid. We're seeing that tree do so well. Um, when you think of Matt Nagy, you think of, you know, even Shanahan and McVay kind of coming from the same sort of group. I mean, I, I think that it's really awesome that this is how coaches are starting to think strategically about it. And uh, I know it didn't work out, but I would have done the exact same thing. So kudos to Frank Reich, even in a losing effort for the Colts. Yeah, similar to the Browns just going for two uh, nonstop in, <laughs> in our game today. Just yeah. one of the, some of the more baffling uh, go for twos that I've seen. But hey, uh, you know I'm, I'm done trying to explain being a Browns fan. It's a fruitless effort. <laughs> so uh, better days are ahead, my Let's let's hope so. All right. Well, let's <laughs> hope those better days are ahead. For now, we're calling it quits on this day. For Anshukana, I am Dan Bauer. Thank you, as always, for listening to The Leftovers, making me smile at least a little bit on this Sunday. We'll catch you on hunting.